Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Stuart Crawford, and we're coming live from Dallas, Texas this morning on Small Business IT Radio. We're at the SMB Summit Conference, an annual event put on by SMT, SMBTN for Small Business IT Pros. And if you're listening to us live and you're outside of Dallas, you should be thinking, why am I not in Dallas this morning? Because everybody who's 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 who in a zoo is here uh, this weekend in Dallas, and we got some great content already this morning, and we got a great panel formed this morning talking about uh, you know some of the things we learned already so far this week and what's coming up on the weekend and what to expect and what we can share with you about uh, small business IT in the next uh, six months to a year. We got some great new innovation coming up in the next little while. Just uh, a few minutes or a few words of housekeeping before we get started. Uh, for those who are going to be in the Toronto area, first weekend of May, SMB Nation Toronto is going on uh, that weekend. It's another event put on by Harry Brailsford, and we had Harry on the show about a month and a bit ago talking about some of the stuff he's seeing in small business IT in the next year. So that's uh, small, our SMB Nation Toronto, first weekend of May. Go to smbnation.com to register for that. And uh, there's a bunch of other stuff happening. I want you to tune into my own personal blog, uh, stuartcrawford.com, this week as we kind of go through some of the highlights of this weekend at SMB Summit, and you can uh, find out what's going on with uh, Small Business Server 2008, Central Business Server, and some new technologies coming up. Anyway, I'll introduce our panel who we have formed uh, this morning. We have, we're going to have people coming in and out over the next hour as we kind of reflect on what's happening so far and, we're gonna, and open up for general discussion on small business IT. And uh, we're going to welcome callers in as well, and the phone number for you to dial in if you want to uh, ask our panel a question is area code 646-716-8372, and the chat window is open at blogtalkradio.com slash SMB. So I want to invite uh, our guests in this morning, all around here, all looking at me, kind of wondering what I'm talking about to nobody, but uh, you guys are all out there. Let's uh, introduce our group. And I'm going to start off with a guy that I can never pronounce his name properly, but I think I got it down. So Alex Zioga from, I want to say AZBS, but it's AZBS in Chicago is here. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. And hopefully everybody can hear you if you're a little, you're, Alex is a little farther. We're going to invite him closer to the, to the phone here. Alex, tell us a little about uh, AZBS. Uh, we were founded in 1994 in Chicago, and we, we saw a lot of frustration with uh, small businesses and users and using technology. Uh, so we decided to automate and provide turnkey solutions uh, for small businesses so they don't have to think about anything, whether it comes to applications, software, hardware, uh, even phone systems at a time, wiring. So we would meet with small businesses and pretty much do everything for them. Great. Well, good morning to you. Uh, a man who needs no introduction, Eric Simpson, been on our show before. Good morning to you, Eric. Good morning, Stuart. Thanks for having me this morning. How's everybody doing out there? It's a beautiful morning out here in Dallas. And what a great, great conference kicked off this morning here at SMB Summit. And uh, we had a bit of bad weather yesterday, of course, tornado warnings here in, uh, in the Dallas area. And then uh, Brad Scow joins us from CompuNine. Brad was on two weeks ago. We had to kind of kick off for this uh, event. And good morning to you, Brad. Good morning, Stuart. Nice to uh, follow up after we laid the groundwork. Hopefully word got out and there's... Plenty of people here today, maybe instead of listening, but I'm sure we've got some uh, great listeners as well. And hopefully uh, over the weekend, we'll have people download this and, and come and see us in the hallways and stop and talk to us. Uh, Roger Swanson joins us from uh, Computer Network Enterprises out of Charleston, South, Charleston, South Carolina, right? Yep. And uh, Roger's probably new to the program. We haven't had him on before, but welcome, Roger. Thank you. Tell us a little about uh, your company. 
Well, first of all, I appreciate you having me on board, and this is, this is a really great conference. It's neat for me to see the names of the people that are out writing all these books and making things happen, and I'm out here reading their thoughts, and now I'm out here seeing them and going, wow, you have all that in your brain. That's, that's cool. Uh, so it's just a pleasure to be here. Uh, Computer Network Enterprise, we started in 1998, and we were a break-fix shop for six, seven years. And we finally kind of drank the Kool-Aid and see the air in our ways. And we've branded a process called Total Care, which it's a business continuity planning all the way to help desk solutions and service desks. And it's uh, just absolutely solid. The product is selling itself. We're picking up eight to ten new customers a week. And we are just, uh, it's just taking off. It's just, we're excited. We're also glad to be here with Microsoft. And uh, we got here through the peer groups. So. Great. And we'll talk about the peer groups uh, right now because Scott Scroggin joins us from Heartland uh, Technology Solutions, and Scott runs the Omaha branch. Uh, good morning to you, Scott. Good morning, Stuart. Thanks for having us on. Long-time listener, first-time caller, so thanks for being <laughs> right, there. Welcome, uh, welcome to the program. So, Boo guys, yes, we were... Hmm? Boo, yes, Stuart. Boo, yeah, yeah. 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 We steal that one from, uh, what's his name, Jim uh, on CNBC. That's right. So guys, we've uh, got this great conference going on here. We had our opening session this morning with Anal Bat and uh, a few others talking about uh, Small Business Server, and the, the sessions are continuing on as we uh, take this hour break to talk to everybody else this morning. What's the general feel so far, uh, Alex, maybe I'll turn it over to you. What's your general feel about you know, the upcoming year for uh, technology, especially the Microsoft solutions? Well, um, I'm going to speak to both. We, we've, we've noticed some turn in uh, our clients' businesses, but Overall, more than 90% of our clients are doing fairly well. We've seen some industries and development and design firms get hit, but all the rest are ordering servers, they're, they're listening to what we say, and they're planning upgrades. So we're really excited. We're just hoping that the MS uh, SBS 2008 comes out sooner than later because we've been holding back quite a few clients, over a dozen, just to get them on that because, as you know, the Small Business Server 2008, you can't do an in-place upgrade. So we don't want to buy them a brand new box, X64, put the 03 on there, and then format it down to put 08. So we're, we're looking for the release, and uh, we're excited about it. So you're, you're hanging tight waiting for you know, the, the release date yes. of 08 to come out. So yes. you, what if a client comes up and says, you know, I need a server right now. What are you, what are you going to tell them? Are you going to advise them to hold off? Or are you going to well, we have advised certain clients that are able to hold off. But the ones that must upgrade, so for example, we have some clients, believe it or not, a Small Business Server 2000. And we're rolling out about one server a week, and for those type clients, we are moving forward. Um, and we have to do what we have to do. So for example, if their backups are working, they haven't exceeded all their disk space, we're, we're, we're uh, holding them off. Okay, well, that's great. And uh, I mean, they did have some great announcements around licensing this morning and recommendations of putting software assurance. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes here. But like I said, we're going to have people coming in and out this morning over the next hour. So we're joined by uh, Mark Kroll, who's an SBSC pal. Just sneaking in to listen. He's just sneaking in the background there. And Dave Sobel from uh, the, the D.C. area joins us. Dave, good morning to you. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do in your company. Uh, well, sure. We're, we're based in the, uh, the Washington, D.C. area. We, you know, like, like a lot of people, focus on delivering you know, managed services to this small customer. 
Um, so we're focused on you know being their complete IT department, you know, from help desk all the way to backend server management, backup management, do network monitoring, anti-spam, antivirus, and all of our services are tailored around the idea of engaging with customers over a long term. Um, you know, for, from a business perspective, from a backend perspective, it's about you know monthly recurring revenue is, is our is our main goal. You know, we're a Microsoft uh, Gold certified partners, Microsoft Small Business Specialists. You know, do all of those kinds of things. And and David and uh, Eric and myself are uh, speakers. And I, Mark, you're, are you a speaker? Or are you just uh, no, you're I'm the not attendee? Speaking this time, I get to watch and heckle. Great. Tell us about your your pal. I'm a uh, pal as well. But I'm retiring at the end of this uh, fiscal year. Right, regretfully but, for the rest. Of tell us, yeah. Tell us about the pal program and you know what you being here can do for other small business specialists that are out there that you can share. Well, as far as being here, well, the SBSC pal program very simply is is we are Microsoft partners and we're here to represent the voice of the Microsoft partners in our area, particularly the SBSC. So there's 13 of us worldwide. Uh, four in the U.S. and two in Canada. Um, our, our goal is to, like I said, be a voice at Microsoft for the SBSCs and in return uh, try to give some feedback to the community uh, on behalf of Microsoft and an exchange of information ideas or a conduit to try to filter and, and navigate the maze of the Microsoft SBSC program and, and develop the community as it evolves. So uh, some of the issues that we're looking at tackling in 2008 and fiscal year 2009 is some of the licensing concerns, some of the concerns about the big box stores and what that means to our markets. And every country is different, so the PALs work internationally, obviously, and uh, try to understand how uh, um, a, a Dell offering might affect a customer in uh, South America versus North America and how it affects the community of partners. Uh, it's very different culturally, and we're trying to understand that and get that information back to Microsoft. Great. I'm not going to let you go with that, without talking about that comment you made uh, yesterday about Dell, by the way. Alex. <laughs> Alex. Yeah. That was for Alex. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Eric, you're, uh, like I mentioned, you're the pioneer of managed services, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it's a big, pretty big, uh, you know, big weight to hold on those shoulders there, but... It's tough getting through the hall with my big head. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get out of the room. Yeah. You know, what, do, what do you see with uh, you know, the offerings coming out, what you saw this morning with EBS and SBS, and how's that going to affect the managed services provider? Well, you know, I think uh, I think uh, technology is is really the benefit to the end user client. You know, what benefits can we provide them through improving their efficiencies, productivity, accessibility, uh, mitigating their risks, right, uh, uptime, and things like that. So I, I'm not so certain that uh, you know, from a from a managed services perspective, um, it's a direct impact. I think what we do is we layer our our managed services uh, support and maintenance. Uh, upon those technologies to ensure their their continued proper operation, right? So we're gonna we're gonna proactively make sure that those uh, technologies are patched and updated. We're going to uh, uh, respond to alerts as they come in and and take action before they become work stopping outages. So, you know, what I see from the new technologies moving forward, I think in general, um, <clears throat> you know, a couple of concerns, and, and I think Alex, uh, you know, made a made a prime. Um, you know, he's identified this uh, this challenge in, in his business and talking about, you know, holding back technology from, from potential clients. So, you know, on the one hand, you know, it, it's it's he's looking after the client's best interests, but on the other hand, I think it, it can negatively impact, you know, not only uh, clients that need that technology today, but maybe perhaps even Alex's business moving forward. So I think it's a, it's a very... Um, you know, it's an interesting uh, problem to try to solve and and uh, we heard this morning about uh, purchasing SBS 2003 with Software Assurance. 
you know, but again, you're, you're looking at that situation where you're buying, you know, one piece of hardware that's going to support 2008, and then, and then the migration becomes a little bit more challenging. So I think that there's a definite, um, I would say there's a definite uh, pause in the minds of some of the partners that I've spoken with moving forward. And then also, you know, the larger concern is, uh, you know, is, is the economy and, uh, you know, how, how it is affecting some sectors in business and how uh, businesses, small businesses in certain verticals are really tightening their belts. So I think that's also a challenge that, that we need to, uh, to address, and I hope that we get to talk about that this morning. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to jump on to Eric's comments a little bit because, I mean, Technologies for technology's sake is not the point. I mean, and I think that it needs to be emphasized a little bit. You know, what we're seeing, what we're seeing in terms of the technologies, they're shiny and new, and they're they're very pretty. Um, but at the end of the day, the value that, that the group of people sitting in this room bring to our customers is the anal the business analysis and the, the relevance of it, and being that trusted advisor to our, our customers. You know, you don't want to just sell them technology for technology's sake. You want to solve their problem. You want to help them in some way make their business better. And thus, that becomes a that's a business discussion. That's not a technology discussion. It, these are all great technologies to look at. We're, the reason we are in, what we, a lot of us are in what we're in because we like the technology, but at the end of the day, you want to justify it based on business value, and thus, make, that's the value we bring. And you have to analyze these technologies against all options. There are lots of different ways. Not everything is, a, is a, a nail that you hit with a hammer. And so you, you've got to take a look at this and make, put it into your larger portfolio of solutions and make the right decisions for each of your customers. Well, talking about making the right decision for our customers and identifying the business issues, you do more than just Microsoft Consulting. I think you're well known for your adoption of Apple and Macintosh product lines into your solutions. Absolutely. How does all that play into what you do every day? Well, I mean, it, it's again, it's, it's I'm comparing this set of solutions against all the other options. You know, I mean, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm known around here, I'm carrying my iPhone around. Why? Because it's the best device for me. It's the best device that solves my mobile, mobile technology needs. That doesn't mean it's, not, it's right for everybody, and it doesn't mean it's the only solution. So for, for us, I'm looking at this saying, you know, okay, this is going to replace the, you know, what we're selling briskly now at SPS 2003. We'll be replacing that with 2008. That's not the only technology game out there. You know, I may, uh, and I'm looking at this saying, how do I integrate this with our other solutions? You know, my MacBook needs to be able to talk to SPS 2008. And how is that going to happen? And what is the cost of doing that? Because that's another piece that has to be factored in so that it's not right for every customer. Great. And I mean, I'm same, same way with my BlackBerry, because I get uh, razzed all the time for carrying a BlackBerry around, and, but it's the best device for me, and it does everything that I need it to. Brad, what are you guys seeing in northern Minnesota when it comes to the, some of this new innovation and how it affects what you guys are doing and what your plans are? Uh, well, with the release of Server 2008 end of February, uh, we do a lot of terminal services work, and some of the improvements they've made there uh, have allowed us to target our larger customers that are using terminal services and get them to upgrade, whether it's through software assurance or selling them some new servers. So we are, you know, we're almost 40 people in two offices in northern Minnesota. So our customer base is big enough that even if there's a certain size or sector, they may be feeling the heat right now from economic downturn and times. Uh, we can take a new product and take the, the value-added features that are built into those things and take a customer segment that we have, and then we can just go try to hit that. So, you know, you, you go to where you go to where the, the opportunity is. Um, so there's that, and then we have a, a fairly large managed service practice too. And <coughs> with the economic downturn, I think it's a perfect time 
to push managed services because the whole idea behind managed services is to uh, is to bring more value to a to a small or even a mid-sized business than what they could if they went out and hired somebody themselves. So uh, economic downturn really just adds to that value proposition of you know pay us pay us monthly and we're going to take care of these needs cheaper than you can on your own and their needs that they need to get taken care of. So you're bringing a great message to them uh, when businesses are going to be looking at saving IT budget money. And a number of us you know, have talked about the the economy over the you know in our little spiels here. Is, uh, and we got a, a good chunk of the country and, can, of course, Canada representative here. Uh, we only have Eric and I from the kind of the western half of the, of the continent, but are you guys seeing uh, challenges of the economy, you know, in, in the southeast, Roger? Are you guys having, you know, your clients saying, no, Roger, we're just having a hard time making ends meet right now? Absolutely. That's what forced us at the company. It was a business move for us. If we want to be here five years from now, we better come up with a solution. And, and that's kind of what everyone here is talking about is how are we going to bring that value back to the customer as to, hey, here's, here's our new offering. Here's how we're going to dovetail what we were doing. We're going to change things to kind of promote you to go the direction we know you really need to go. And so we have to uh, address the whole value. Why are we in IT in the first place? And then when our business customers say, look, I just can't afford to pay somebody 55 a year or whatever the going rate is to have a guy on staff or a girl, whatever. And so you have to you have to come up with a way of making yourself more valuable to that customer as a company. And like you know, we're talking about Apple. We've got customers that that they want us to be Apple certified. So we have to go back and figure out what's it going to take for us to meet that need that our customers presented to us. Because let's face it. If our customers don't have their needs addressed by us, then then our competitors are going to go. Well, I'll I'll address that need. You know, I can take care of that for you. And then we lose an opportunity. Well, thank you for that. And I want to kind of invite Scott into the conversation because Scott runs a more involved in a bigger organization, 75 employees across a number of states in the Midwest. What's the uh, what are you guys seeing from, on the economic side of in the Midwest, especially with your customer base? You know, I think we see some variation. I mean, we're in places that uh, literally the size of the community is 25,000 people and in places where the size of the city is, you know, 800,000. So I think in the smaller markets, we tend to not see things happen as quickly from an economic standpoint. I think, Stuart, you said one of the things that I've picked up on, and that is that if times are really good, then our customers know what to do. If times are really bad, they know what to do. But what they don't know what to do is in times of uncertainty. And it's at that point where sales cycles get extended uh, because people don't know if they should make that investment to maybe replace that person with us, uh, to hire that other person, whatever it might be. But I think that I just came out of uh, uh, facilitating one of my HTG groups, and that question was raised to everybody in there. And no one in the group of the 12 members said that they'd seen any significant impact, and several of them specifically said they'd seen zero impact, and in some cases in certain verticals, things getting even better. Yeah, that's what I, I know I can relate to. We came out of our best quarter ever in our, in our company, Q1, in, the, in seven years. So, I mean, again, it's, you can sit and blame the economy for the, or you can actually take, a, uh, take action and find out different ways to make money. I think that's what the keys is. Yeah, I'd make one other quick thing. Something that is unique about us is the fact that as an IT company, we also have a division called our Precision Ag Division. And operating mainly in Nebraska and Iowa, going for $7,000 an acre. 
ethanol and corn, you have everything there from acreage that was selling for $15,000 an acre. Uh, we sell GPS-based precision agriculture to steer the tractor, to apply the fertilizer, to cut down on the uh, exact amount of seed that needs to be placed, and we can show ROI on that in a year, and the farmers can't write checks fast enough. That's the fastest-growing part of our overall business. Wow, that's, that's wonderful. And, I mean, and when oil is hitting $115 a barrel, it, uh, you know, our, our economy is very good in um, Western Canada as well, so we're very fortunate. Eric, what are you guys seeing on the West Coast? You know, um, from, from a perspective of, of um, affecting our partners' businesses, I think uh, you know, what, what Scott uh, indicated in reference to one of your comments, Stuart, is, is true. I think that um, right now it's, it's that economic uncertainty that's affecting uh, some of our partners' clients, but I think it, it's more affecting the partners themselves in, in trying to you know, second-guess or trying to decide how they should um, uh, shift their business or maybe their deliverables in anticipation of a worsening type of an economic outlook. And, you know, in, in our HTG group meeting, uh, one of our members yesterday made a comment that was being echoed and kind of as a joke afterwards, but basically they said, listen, the market is the market, okay? It's how you deliver the best services to meet your client's needs. And so, uh, again, going back to something that Dave said, I mean, it all ends up being with what the needs are of your client. So, you know, if your client feels that they need to tighten their belt, then it's imperative for us to find ways to, you know, to address that need. And whether that is, um, you know, if they want to let some people go, we can help them by outsourcing some of our services, you know, rolling some managed services, uh, things of that nature. I mean, you know, in times of economic uncertainty, I think, you know, a few of the, the first thoughts that a small business owner has is, you know, how do I, how do I offload some of my most labor-intensive internal processes. So we see them uh, off offloading things like uh, HR, things like payroll services, things like internal IT support. So from an overall perspective, I mean, I've seen, I've seen it kind of both ways. I've seen some partners say, yes, it's affecting our client base, and I think it's vertical-specific mostly. You know, of course, the mortgage industry is, is just a perfect example of where uh, a partner that's dealing in that vertical would say, yes, it's definitely impacting my clients and it's impacting my business. But then you've got some other verticals where, you know, as Scott said, not only, you know, is it, uh, you know, the agriculture business going, but they can't write checks fast enough. So I think we as, as service providers just kind of have to identify and maybe shift things that we can learn moving forward is to identify some of these verticals that are more resistant to economic pressure and economic uncertainty and maybe start thinking about expanding into those areas would be my, my comment. And I, what I see from, you know, an economic uh, uncertainty and definitely playing a rearing his ugly head is the creative solutions that we can come up with will leverage us higher in the market than what other, you know, the ones that kind of just do the traditional break fix or whatever you guys want to call it, you know, hardware shop, box pushers. We need to be, be creative in today's world to win and really play that trusted advisor role. Now, John Ender talked this morning about some of his experiences, and I kind of want to put that out to the group here. Is uh, you know, talk about, he talked about preparation of our clients today uh, and software assurance as a, a vehicle to get our clients ready. Uh, what are we seeing out there, you know, the adoption of software assurance, or how do you guys position software assurance? Because there's a number of small business IT pros out there that say it's just, it's just an up, upgrade play. But what, what are we doing or for as a group, what are you guys all looking at doing for us? Hey, I'll, I'll start at the extreme because I don't sell it. Okay. I mean, I, I just I just don't see the value 
um, mostly because of because of the space and the types of customers I have. Is that it? Just it isn't. I mean, when when their IT budgets are rather limited, that's a sizable amount of money to ask them for an uncertainty. I mean, they may not get anything. Now, admittedly, you know, SA has some certain particular certain value right now because of you know the the, the place in the upgrade cycle. But last year, I didn't bother. You know, I just didn't bother selling it. And now I'm only looking, you know, and I haven't bothered selling it up till now, where now it's just a, double, let's just double check to make sure it's not worthwhile for this customer. But I'll tell you, a proposal went out from my shop this week for SBF 2003. No SA on it. Okay. Because sure. it doesn't make any sense. It, it, we looked at the customer, and it just didn't make any sense for them. So, uh, you know, from from my perspective, I've just really never sold SA because I just don't see the value. Okay. And Alex, you're going to add some there? Uh, yes. For our clients that were on software assurance from several years ago, we continue renewing the software assurance because it does make sense after year three. But if they're a client that just doesn't have software assurance, we're not going to push them on there. It's cheaper to buy an SBS 2003 OEM. It's cheaper to buy upgrade versions of Office 2007. It just doesn't make sense. Now, if there was a need where Office was coming out every year or Small Business Server was coming out every year, but we're looking at a five-year window, how can I tell a client if I'm their IT advisor to buy software assurance that they're not going to really benefit for five years? So I know there was a lot of talk on the small business uh, IT group on Yahoo this week about uh, software assurance. So is the collective field the group it's still an upgrade play, or are we positioning the training vouchers and the network use rights? I know it doesn't fall too much on the desktop OS and server OS, but the office OS, our office product it does. Are we looking at that as an option for software assurance, or, we, or is it still just an upgrade play? Roger, what are you guys doing? We're not really we're not pushing it either. We were pushing the software assurance right before Office came out, and we were going to ride the wave, just exactly what I was saying. You know, it's like, hey, you know, if the product's coming out, if we see it's coming out, and, you know, Microsoft's done all their hoopla and their marketing and all of their product push, and we know it's on the horizon, and they see it. The customer sees all that advertising, too. Okay. They know it. Um, yeah. This is Alex. One more, one more thing I wanted to add is that the hardware we recommended and our clients use to run Office 2003 will not sufficiently run Office 2007. Okay. We've taken our 512 mega RAM, we put 2 gig, but let's face it, Office 07 has a lot more features, but it is slower. As well as if you try to open up Outlook 2007 and do the calendaring uh, task list, we had to turn them off. Um, so what's happening is the life cycle of the software is making it cheaper to buy a new computer with OEM than it is to software assurance and upgrade a box, you know, a Pentium 3.2. A lot of that has to do with the positioning of how Microsoft prices it. Correct. Well, cool. you know, that's a great insight. And, you know, it just, you know, as a trusted advisor, you've got to get up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and know, hey, you know, you know, is there a, you know, what is the, it's kind of a risk assessment. What is the probability that my client will benefit from software assurance. I mean, if there is no mathematical possibility that they will ever be able to execute on the benefit of software assurance, mm -hmm. then in my opinion, but you shouldn't sell it to them. What, what you always do, when you're the trusted advisor, right, don't you always kind of try to put yourself in your customer's shoes? Absolutely. So you put the moccasins on, right, and you do the walk, and you say, hey, is this going to work for them? And let me, let me throw out just that, I mean, you know, I don't sell software assurance. 
But that's not to say that I don't think it's a valuable program in certain spaces. I think for, enter- for enterprise, large customers, it makes such absolute sense. I mean, you, you know, they, they standardize into a large environment. There's a lot of additional – well, there are software benefits at the larger companies. Some of the desktop optimization packs that are available for SA that are integrated with System Center for a large company, it, I mean, that's a really great solution but it doesn't fit on a lot of my customers. So, right. it, you know, I'm not saying that it's not a good product. But your machine replacements are about every three years. Yeah. And if they replace the machine and they put the OEM in it, bang. You're, you're right. Say, well, my argument is that the enterprise space, they don't buy OEM, and it doesn't make sense for them to buy OEM because they're imaging machines. They're in, they're in a much different environment. Right. Yeah, well, and I'm, I'm not familiar with right. that environment right. as far as enterprise, but don't they replace their machines around every three years? Isn't that the A lot order? of our enterprise clients do lease their computers. And they come and, back and they go on the street to sell, right? Right. Now, what we do, for example, these solutions that we're talking about and no software assurance, it's the 50 and under. For our clients that are 100 and over, it doesn't make sense not to get software assurance. Right. Okay. Imagine having a 200-person firm with a third being Office XP, Office 2003, right. and Office 2007. Right. They need to keep standard desktops. They, yeah. they're not, they have disconnected licensing from hardware. Okay. That's the, that's the major difference because I mean for them it, it the you know they'll swap out the hardware but leave the same licenses right. on top of it so it makes a it makes they don't buy OEM it makes yeah. perfect sense because Absolutely. on top of that they don't want a box to come in from Dell <laughs> with some <laughs> Dell configuration that they sure. then use they're gonna just they just wipe that they would wipe it and layer it so you have to wipe it yeah you have to <laughs> usually do it anyway right right well Stuart I I, th- I think you know I think that we would all agree that you know the bottom line is. It's what's right for the client. That's right. It's Absolutely. what's right for the client. So everybody has to, you know, evaluate and assess what's right for each individual client. So there isn't, you know, a one size fits all. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I find it very easy to help clients in that way, is because I am a business owner. So I take my wallet and I put it on their table and decide what would I do, right. because we have the old saying about the bleeding edge of technology. Sure. It's painful. So now we're, we're a bunch of small business IT pros in, you know, in this room here, and you know, we had some great new announcements from Microsoft this morning, and some of them are new to us, or we've heard them before because you listened to our show a, lot, a few weeks ago when we did small business uh, server. We got a great new product coming out. We got some changes in the way we're going to sell it and, way, and the way we buy it, and we got a product with two SKUs now. We got a, a standard edition and a premium edition, which I think was great. Microsoft initiative to actually pull that SQL server off and put it onto a separate box. Are you guys going to be able to sell it that way, or you know, how are you going to position that in the market? And do you have a lot of people that use small our SQL server today that were buying the premium SKU? And I wanted to get your general feedback about the changes in Small Business Server 2008. You know, from a deployment or a configuration, uh, the way Microsoft's doing it that way. Alex, what do you think? What do you think about that first? I definitely like the way the licensing is done. We find that 20% of our clients are on the premium, another 30% are on the standard, and the other 50% are enterprise, you know, 7, 10, 20 servers. Uh, I think the licensing is going to work out well. I haven't thought it through yet. Right now, we're in the midst of deciding how we're going to roll out the new solutions, who really needs it. Uh, We have a, a best practices, for example, as I'm sure everybody else here does, that our workstations are replaced roughly every three years if the budget exists. If the budget doesn't exist, it's four years. And we don't really allow our clients to go much further because we show them the value and its loss when you start going to the fifth and sixth year 
on the same equipment and help failures happen. Servers are three to five years as well. And on the third year, we look at growth. Do they really need another server? Do they need to grow? Have they outgrown their space? Have they changed their software? So what we do is at the end of the third year, we say, okay, do we extend the warranty for two more years or are we going to replace it? But by year five, it's got to be out of there. Okay. So, but, you know, we, by Microsoft taking the standard SKU, it has exchanged 2007, yes. uh, WSUS, WSS in one box, and the pre new SKU, premium SKU, they can actually get another Windows server and SQL server they can actually put on a separate box. Now, there's some discrepancies. You can virtualize that or actually on a physical box. We don't know the official word yet and which way that's going to go. Uh, do you like the idea? Do you like the idea of having it on, you know, two separate boxes that's Absolutely. a bit more scalable? Absolutely. Yeah. That should have been done a long time ago. And Dave, from a licensing standpoint, they should have allowed us to break it sure. apart a long time ago. Yeah. Not breaking SBS 2003 is similar to a 16 gig information store limit. Yeah. It, it yeah. makes as much sense as that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, Dave, do you have anything you want to add on that? Well, I mean, it, you know. It, I mean, I'm in complete agreement with everybody on, on this. Is, is I'm, I'm glad to see it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see Microsoft start making adjustments to licensing. I mean, every time they start actually taking the, the feedback and make adjustments, I just have to applaud because you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's more work to be done. And so, you know, I mean, it's it's you know, this is this is, and I, you know, this is where I, for for that I push to customers. This is what you have me for, is that I'm the one going to, to battle with the vendors for you because I have more pull than you do. And combined with other peers, we together have more pull than, than even I, by myself. And so that's why, you know, constantly working on this issue. Um, you know, and the work isn't nearly done. There's more to be done on this to, to, to make it easier to work with. Okay. This is Small Business IT Radio uh, coming live from Dallas, Texas uh, this morning. Uh, and we had a great panel of uh, experts here. Small business server, let's kind of shelf that for now. We tomorrow we got a full packed day of essential business server. Something new, maybe a lot of, for a lot of us something that we never even thought about. You know, as we enter into the bid market space. For me personally, we have a number of smaller clients, 25 and less, that could use EBS years ago, because of the nature of the way they use uh, computing. Mark, where do you guys see in the sharded area with essential business servers? Is that something that you guys have been wanting for a long time, or do you have a client base that would jump all over this? I think it's something we need that we didn't know we wanted. In other words, a lot of small <laughs> partners out there um, are small partners, not because they don't want to serve the larger customers, it's just they don't know how to make that transition. And typically the transition in the past was, okay, now you've got to learn about clustering and, and running multiple exchange servers, and you're moving into an enterprise environment. There was such a there was no there was no step no gradual step between the uh, the small business server environment and the enterprise environment. This will draw a, a gray area, a, line, a big gray line in the sand where small business partners can decide to make the transition to the mid market space. I think it's a great opportunity for small ID shops. And Eric, you work with a number of partners one on one. Uh, has there been hesitation in the past for for partners to make that step into mid market because there hasn't been a, a really clear transition? It was either small business server or full-blown Windows Server with all the products you bought separately? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, from the, you know, even our own experience, as well as working with a lot of our partners, 
you know, you've got really, you know, in my, in my estimation, you've got a, two different two different sets of partners or or partners that that have specialties can, that can address both markets. You've got basically the the SMB partner who likes things very simple, GUI driven, things like that. And you've got other partners that may have been around a little bit longer before, you know, the uh, you know, let's say the improvements to SBS 2003 that you know would never have landed an SBS 2000 or 4.5 server or 4 server anywhere and have you know, historically been a multiple server type of expertise uh, service delivery partner. And I think with EBS now, it's really going to allow those SMB partners now to, to hopefully take that leap of faith and say, hey, now I can start, you know, implementing these types of solutions and then slowly, gradually uh, make them feel comfortable to delivering services to the mid-market and then maybe push higher up into the enterprise level market. Because I think as solution providers, it's important for us to understand the realities of business. And at the, at the end of the day, me personally, and I'd love to get everybody's input here, I would love to have a lot less clients paying us a lot more money instead right. of having yeah. lots of clients paying us little bits of money. And I think pushing up into that mid and enterprise level space and feeling that comfort level really will help uh, partners get to that space. Am I, am I right, guys? I think so. And that's, yeah. what, that's, that's one of the things we have done in our market. We've started jettisoning a lot of the smaller clients. What I found is the same amount of effort and, and much better margins and much bigger uh, sales yeah. when you get into the higher, into the, I call it the big S of the SMB and the little M of the mid-market. We're not 100% in that big M market yet. But we're getting there. It's funny because we got rid of about five or six low-end bottom feeder clients, I would call them. And all of a sudden, the phone started ringing started for 55, 70 user networks. So it was, it was just strange that kind of just we made that we made that decision as a business to get rid of these bottom feeder clients and better. I won't say I won't say better quality clients, bigger clients. Anyway, sir, we have to still have to go through our qualification uh, processes and making sure all that still falls in. But Scott, I want to invite you in here for a second about uh, essential business. Heartland's got a lot of interest in EBS and what's going to happen in the market, and you guys have been running a number of special interest groups around essential business server. What's the buzz all about? Cause you, and I'd say you guys have been more involved than maybe a majority of us in this room. Well, I think as Mark and Eric and you mentioned and others are thinking, I mean, it is a potentially great opportunity, and to Microsoft's credit, they recognize that, and it takes a long time to develop an offering like that when you've got to look at you know, the underlying Windows 2008 server, and then you've got everything from Forefront, uh, which is new for a lot of people, Exchange 2007. You've got a variety of issues there. And I think that to their credit, they've uh, wanted to work closely with partners to figure out where they can help partners succeed in building a practice around EBS, much like they've done around SBS. And it is not a no-brainer to say that we've sold SBS, therefore we can sell EBS, because it's got ISA. It's got other products that I mentioned previously, and uh, you're also selling it in a different way. I mean, you're selling it typically to a larger organization. You've got a longer sales cycle. You've got a bigger investment. You've got financing opportunities. You've got a different type of marketing message. You've got engineers that have to be trained differently. You've got a sales force that needs to understand much more of the C-level conversation because you're typically in an organization that truly has C-level people when you do that. So uh, Microsoft has worked with HTS and with uh, you know, other companies as well to form a uh, what amounts to a practice builder 
uh, set of tools, of which we'll be presenting that uh, tomorrow here at SMB Summit. And we've had companies like yours, Stuart, who have chimed in with ways that can be approved. And uh, how do we take our organization through a what we designed as a seven-step readiness program to uh, get people on board and so that the timing of the uh, partner ramp up coincides with the timing of the partner release and hopefully mutual customer success. Well, that's, and that's a great comment, Scott. And just for those people who are not 100% uh, sure what Essential Business Server is, so we have our small business server, which is a one, now two uh, server solution. EBS is a three or four server solution. Microsoft has stripped away uh, ISA, ISA server, with a small business server solution but it's still in EBS. So I encourage you to go to the Microsoft site and do a search on Essential Business Server, or even better, go through our archives of Small Business IT Radio. We did a show on EBS a few months ago, and listen to the show from a few weeks ago on Small Business Server and compare the two and figure out which way you guys want to go. But Scott, you mentioned Microsoft working closely with HTS, uh, and is it a general feel in the room that Microsoft is working very closely with the partners? Roger, maybe we'll start with you. How is Microsoft, uh, how is your relationship with Microsoft affecting your business? We officially became a partner not not even 60 days ago. Actually, we did the, we became a certified partner when I was in Vietnam, traveling abroad. And uh, so I really can't give you a good solid, hey, here's what Microsoft's doing for me because we're a partner. But I can tell you, Microsoft has kind of coddled us along and said, hey, come on on board. We're doing all these things. Because I got burned really bad with that other company with that red color. And uh, so a little shell-shocked from, you know, the partner thing. And uh, sometimes the vendors and things don't always pan out. And let's face it, I'm a small business owner too. I cannot afford to go to these conferences and go to these events and get away from what I'm doing with my company and I'm going to lose those days of revenue that I could be potentially generating. So, I, yeah, to answer the, the short, I think Microsoft is absolutely encouraging um, small business owners, just like us and me, to get involved in a partner or a peer group situation. Well, that's a good perspective from the, the new partner and why you, know, why you want to join into the, the group. Mark, from the, you know, somebody who works very closely with Microsoft in the PAL program, what are, you guys, what are you guys seeing with uh, the tech care team in Charlotte and with your involvement in the uh, FBFC community? seen a lot. I, um, in eight years of working with Microsoft, I've never seen them make such a sincere effort to bridge the gap with partners. And the gap is, is a, a gap that they haven't necessarily created, but by the nature of them being such a large company and having to maintain partnerships at such a broad level from the, from the system builders, uh, the, the big OEMs like Dell and HP all the way down to the small partners where you have conflicting interests, they've got a real real challenge on their hand, and then they've got the competitive threats to face from the live applications of Google out there. Uh, it's a real challenge for them to try to keep all the partners happy without stepping on their toes. And you know, 70,000 employees all working together to sell their product through several thousand partners uh, in the U.S. or What have we got, about 10,000, 15,000 partners in the U.S.? That's a real challenge for Microsoft to balance. Uh, some of the steps they've made recently that really prove that they are making the effort. When I say making the effort, it's a sincere effort. It's not just a marketing machine. A lot of people think Microsoft's a giant marketing machine, and they are a really good one. But they're putting people in place that genuinely care. Anybody that's worked with Microsoft long enough or recently knows that the people they're working with through the partner program 
from, from Robert Deshays on down, even the TPAMs that are put in place that are getting a bad rap right now, are people that are putting in a lot of time and a lot of energy on their own besides what they're getting paid to do, and they're putting a lot of heart into it. Uh, Microsoft recently announced a local engagement program where they're putting, uh, I don't know if it's in Canada yet, I apologize to your Canadian listeners, but we sometimes get the luxury of new stuff in the U.S., but they've hired uh, 10 people across the U.S., uh, very aggressively, top-notch people, and these people have one job. It's to help me as a partner create alliances with local companies in a non-compete environment. So I've got law firms, sales marketing companies, uh, banks. Uh, they brought the big names in like Bank of America and FedEx, Kinko's. Uh, but then they've also working to help build the local partnerships and then helping us throw events where we can utilize. So they're basically teaching us how to generate a referral type um, group or organization that meets on a regular basis without having a, just a, a peer group type thing. Uh, that's a pretty neat thing that Microsoft doing at the partner level, and to try to execute that locally is a real challenge for them, but they're making the efforts. Well, I think the successful partners out there, I'm sure everybody in this, on this panel can, uh, it fits this mold, is working and being successful at Microsoft is definitely a two-way street. Yes. It's not what can Microsoft give me, give, 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 it's what can I as a partner give back. I think that's what uh, you know separates I mean, people that are here at SMB Summit for sure from uh, you know some of the partners that are wishing what has Microsoft done for me lately. Well, uh, approach. You got to, you got to, and I, I say this all the time because I mean you've got to fundamentally. They have to understand this, and we have to understand this. Both sides have to understand how the other makes money. Sure. Microsoft makes money by selling product. That's how they make money. Period. It, it, it's not by awareness. It's not by, by you know great launch events. It's by selling product. And at the end of the day, that's what they want to do. If you show how you help with that, they will help you do because they also recognize that in to, tell, to sell product, we have to sell services. And the two are very closely linked. So they will help you sell services if you help them sell product. That's the, the simple math. But it gets very lost because there's a lot of, well, Microsoft, help me, help me, help me, help me. You've got to remember at the end of the day, you've got to help them move licenses too. And, that can, you just, and it's simple math to show them how that happens. You know, when, you, when you talk about a, a specific deal or a specific program, show them where the licensing comes and where licensing factors in, and then they are very, very supportive. Well, talking about licensing, because this is a kind of a little pet peeve for me, is that we moved away from doing OEM through HP, Lenovo, Dell, whoever the manufacturer was, because we weren't getting recognition for those licenses that were signed. That's why we do open business now. And a lot of and there's other reasons, disaster recovery and a few other technical reasons why we do it. But, you know, we felt for a little while that we were in limbo. I don't know if you guys know what that, term, that acronym stands for, Lost in Microsoft, big organization. Because we didn't have any, we, were on, we weren't on the radar scope. We were selling all this, all these PCs and servers with OEM software. However, we weren't getting recognition for it because it wasn't showing up on the radar scope. And once I, when I joined my peer groups, I understood that, yeah, we have to figure out what our manufacturers or the vendors that we partner with, it can be Microsoft, Dell, HP, whoever, I don't care who it is, SonicWall, you got to understand what their main initiatives is. And once you can play as a partner into what they do, of course, they'll bend over backwards to help you. And Scott, I know you facilitate HCG groups, and I know it's a message that Arlen and yourself and all the other facilitators try to you know, share with us the importance of understanding what the partners are compensated on right. or the vendors are compensated on and how we as partners can work into their marketing strategies and what their main push uh, for whatever the time period is. Uh, maybe you can elaborate on HCS's you know, 
because HCS is well known worldwide for what they do with the part uh, with the vendors. What is the initiative around par uh, vendor relationships with HCS? Well, I think one of the broadest vendor relationship initiatives that we've had is to dial back the number of vendors we can really be strategically aligned with. It's not unlike the conversation we just had about, you know, how many customers do you want to do business with? And in our case, uh, we've had for the last several years four major vendors we've worked with, and that helps us dive much more deeply with them. Uh, it helps us understand how they are compensated. It's very easy sometimes to just think, well, this, this rep works for this vendor, and anything I sell, it all is a dollar for a dollar for this rep. And the fact of the matter is not. You know, when you look at some of the new products that come out, they may be more highly compensated to drive new business, just like we compensate our reps to sell managed services more than we do block time. So those types of, types of things drive behavior, and that's key. One of the key things we do on an annual basis is to have our key vendor partners meet with us in an annual business planning session. They are all in the room, face-to-face, -face, listening to the direction that we're going and sharing with each other the direction that they're going. So an example of that would be we want to do more UC work, unified communications work with Microsoft. Well, a nice plan that is HP wants to sell more Blade servers. Well, we can now understand how that interrelates and we can go to market with a campaign around that. So uh, you know, a lot of it, at the end of the day, is still about relationships. And if you've ever heard Arlen say anything, it's going to be about <clears throat> relationships and execution. And both of those come into play. Like Dave said, at the end of the day, it is about selling more of their stuff and reporting back to them when they do things for you, reporting back to them so they understand their ROI. That would be my summary. There's some guys I've talked to in this industry that are very nervous about bringing clients and vendors to clients together in one room and vendors together in a room to share common strategy and initiatives. Uh, and around the fear of well, they're going to start talking to each other and who knows what's going to happen. Obviously, that's not a concern with HTS because obviously your, your example there, you know, you want to sell UC and HP wants to sell Blade. You can actually link everybody together and meet two uh, initiatives in one, one strategy. So that's, uh, that's great, and that's obviously working for you guys. Yeah, it, it is. And, I mean, we're, we're obviously you know, not maybe the traditional SMB reseller from the standpoint that you know, we hope to sell $19 million of product this year with 80 people across eight locations. The challenge that presents in some situations is we've got a vendor rep who straddles our geography. So it becomes one of a challenge to say, well, we want to run this campaign, and it's, but it's going to – you know, better somebody else's bottom line from the vendor's perspective. So you have to have buy-in, just like in you know in, in HTG. There are, there are certainly small, there are minority of partners that wouldn't want to be in this conversation of sharing their best practices for fear of someone else in their own market. I'm not looking at you, Alex, with any intent on that. I'm just sharing somebody, somebody in Chicago. That's a different conversation than it is for somebody in Wichita, Kansas. Quite quite honestly. So uh, yeah, the whole thing of sharing between partners with customers. Uh, you know, we're very, very much of the thinking that the, the net, the, the marginal benefit of bringing all those parties together so awesomely outweighs the cost or the conflict that would happen that uh, we'll continue to do that. Great. Now, we've got nine minutes left on our, our time together today, so I want to go around the table one more time and just get, you know, what's one thing that you want to take away from the rest of this weekend? You know, you had to write a report on, um, report on Monday on the, on the flight home. Well, one key learning that you wish to uh, get out of it, Alex, what would that be? 
I'd really like to know when SBS 2008 is going to be released. <laughs> that's the only reason I came to Dallas. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that, that's very important to me because uh, I think it is for everybody else. I just happen to say what's on my mind a little bit more than others. And uh, so far, it hasn't gotten me in trouble. And Scott, no offense taken. I have tried to sell GPS farming equipment in downtown Chicago. I just, I'm, I'm getting beaten up. Uh, Mark, what's on anybody yet? Mark, what's uh, one key learning you want to take away from this week, uh, this weekend? Well, definitely the EBS. I want to learn more about what the product offers and particularly how Microsoft plans on uh, marketing the small business space. And I assume they're going to cover both the marketing side and the technology side. Um, we only hope so. Wouldn't miss that opportunity, but I, I've been so focused on SBS and, and Cougar getting it out there that uh, I, I've just looked away from the, the beta program on EBS. I'd like to see where they're at now and how that's going to affect our market. And Roger, from a new uh, Microsoft partner, what's your core uh, strategy to maximize your uh, return on your investment this weekend? Well, obviously 2008 and seeing what's going on with that, but the, uh, the new EBS, uh, I'm interested in that space because there's obviously revenue there and how to make sure that we do it correctly. The one thing that really sticks continuously in the back of my mind, and I had a lot of free time when I was uh, traveling in Vietnam, and, and so I took that as my test the processes I put in place, but uh, character building on, on my side. And Arlen mentioned something in the last couple of um, uh, meetings. One of the things Arlen said was relationships. You know, so that's the, the last piece. I have three objectives for this conference, and the last one is to make sure I understand what's it going to take for me to grow my character and my ability to get those relationships working right. So. Great. So net, a little bit of networking as well as yep. uh, product knowledge and how to market we'll Always be partnering. Still, uh, That's not the line. Stuart, when you're done, I want to make a comment about some Eric, you got some good, cool stuff coming up here. Is your this is your chance to plug your uh, webinar you have coming up next week? Yeah. So I think uh, you know, for for me, you know, I, as you know, I straddle kind of both sides of the fence. I mean, it's it's important for me to understand the new technologies that are coming down the pipe because we obviously share that with our partner channel in MSPU. And uh, the second thing that I'm, I'm really focusing on is I'm really uh, forcing myself to walk across the room and build relationships with, with uh, not only partners but with vendors and Microsoft. I think it's important as, as an attendee to a conference like this that, you know, I, I really want to stress folks that, you know, uh, don't normally go to conferences to improve their business practice. I mean, when we were delivering services directly to end-user clients, I mean, we did it for six years without pulling our head up out of the mud and attending one conference. And as soon as we started doing that and seeing the value, it transformed our business. So uh, important for me to build those deep relationships because then again, it, it helps us uh, push our agenda uh, through MSPU. So uh, those are my two takeaways. Uh, next week, as a matter of fact, we're doing a uh, live webinar with uh, Mike Murphy from uh, Microsoft's local engagement team, myself and uh, Matt Makowitz will be exploring Server 2008 and Vista and how to sell those successfully together moving forward. So if folks want to attend that live webinar, they can jump over to our website, www.mspu.us, hit the blog link, and I've posted it up on our blog how to go ahead and register for that. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And Dave, what are you guys, what are you guys hoping 
for the rest of this weekend. You know, I, it's it's funny because I mean I was actually having this conversation with Mark, uh, you know, not an hour ago. Um, while I'm interested, and EBS is on my list of things I want to know about, I I've reached the sort of the point with all of this where the technology is not really the draw. I mean, I'm I'm here. The, the thing I want to get out of this, I don't know what it is yet because I'm here to deepen relationships with the people in this room and all the other people I don't know. Um, and so that, you know, that, I won't know what my real gain was until I mean, maybe six months later because it'll be a relationship that I've built here that I can leverage into something else. And so, I mean, I, you know, I, I, the, the people in this room I didn't know as well two years ago. But now, I mean, these, these are people that I exchange information with almost daily in some ways through blogs and emails and, and, and all kinds of other communication methods you know, going on all the time. So I get that in stream of knowledge and I hope I'm giving back as much as, as I get. I won't know what really the gain is until, because there may be somebody I haven't met yet who I didn't have the opportunity to meet until you know, tomorrow afternoon that I bump into in the hallway. And that'll be the real gain. Um, and my main uh, takeaway for this week is to, again, deepen relationships with the people that I know already and, and go a little that level. The technology is not a draw for me any, long, any longer either. I want to sell some books, too, and Eric, I know Eric's looking at me laughing as well. And so if you're listening to this, you download it onto your Zoom or your iPod and, and you're uh, sitting in your hotel room at, or in, the, in the conference still going on, go to the bottom of the elevators and pick up our books at the, in the book uh, seller area there. But I'm not going to let Alex get away too easy without talking about his comment he made yesterday about dealing with Dell, because you know what, I have a great relationship with this guy, but I want to hear, you know, we got three minutes left, Alex, you know, you're not on the, on the, on the rope for that long, but, you know, what is, what is your, you know, you made a comment about uh, Dell yesterday, and then you can go to peerpower.blogspot.com to find out what it is, but, uh, you know, <laughs> what, is your, uh, what is your feelings about working with Dell? Dell, you know, I'll spare my, my quote and they can read it online. Um, we were in HP luncheon and HP was there trying to learn from us about how to better work with the bars that support the small and medium-sized businesses. And I basically stated that they don't make it as easy as they should and Dell makes it a lot easier. It's not that we prefer Dell over HP. It's probably the other way around because of the quote that you'll read online. It's, um, <laughs> it's it's peerpower.blogspot.com, by the way. We'll put it up on stewardcrawford.com, too, so you can have it find it easier. And honestly, that, that quote came from the heart because that's the way I felt. It's very difficult to work with Dell and to be a bar for them. Yep. But um, it comes down, that comes down to relationships, right? That's what we were talking about. The relationship yeah. is such a one-way, bastardized relationship that it, it hurts. It really hurts. And, um, and that's tell us how you really feel. Well, you know, one of, one of the things I like about Alex, he, he just speaks his mind, which is great, because not a lot of partners do that, and that's, that's great. And it's good to know because, again, it comes down to relationships and the way we do And I know, Mark... We've had, we chatted back and forth on your blog. SBSC.techcareteam.com, and I've got some opinions on Dell that Stewart's commented on. Mm-hmm. SBSC.techcareteam.com, read the blog there, and uh, just keyword Dell. And see what I know, uh, I, in the last video, I know my good friend Steve Riot, who couldn't join us, uh, he summed up right on a blog comment yesterday about it's all about the relationship. So, guys, it's all about the relationship. Thank you very much for your time uh, this morning, taking away from uh, the sessions. Just as a last-minute rewind- reminder, we have some great shows coming up here on Small Business IT Radio. Uh, let, let me just bring up the uh, the the, uh, the schedule here. I know uh, on 
Um, April 29th, which is next week, we have uh, Mary Crane on. Uh, Mary was on uh, CBS News talking about the millennials. So we're going to have a whole show dedicated to dealing with millennials next, uh, next week. On May 2nd, we're going to be in Toronto broadcasting live from Toronto uh, with Nexty and talk about why you should have a good CPLS partner and a, and a learning partner in your corner as a partner. And then Ken Thorson is going to join us on May 9th talking about why salespeople succeed in our industry. So, guys, once again, thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to just have everybody go to my blog, StuartCrawford.com, and I'll put all our contact information up there instead of trying to get everybody to give out their, uh, their information and uh, trying to find you separately. But thank you again, once again, for, uh, for, for this. It's been great. Uh, Roger, Mark, Eric, David, Scott, and Alex, and uh, this is Stuart Crawford. We're going to sign off for this week from Dallas. We'll see you guys uh, all next week on Small Business IT Radio. 